Download Adam Sank's last comedy album on Amazon, iTunes, or Google Play. We're already in the shower together. <laughs> the risk has been taken. If I don't blow you, the risk will have been for nothing. Warning. The program you're about to hear contains highly offensive and indecent material. Ryan, pull down your pants. <laughs> JB, you start Let's... sucking. The host, a comedian of questionable talent, speaks incessantly on topics of a sexual and scatological nature. I will fuck you, but I will not eat you. I want that fucking dick down my throat while I'm dicking him down. I okay. hope my mother's listening. Your ass became a rosebud? Yeah, that's because I got dicked down real good. <laughs> he asks questions of his celebrity guests that are highly inappropriate and rude. Which of you has a bigger penis? Oh, that's a good one. That's a fun good one. Going down on the clitoris? Oh, yes. Oh, I Absolutely. like where you're going with yep. this. For some reason, the word strap-on just comes right out of my mouth, Bianca. Yeah, you said come and strap-on at the same time. And he cannot stop talking about his buttocks. I think your butt is telling you, no mas, por favor. <laughs> this is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. <laughs> and now... The one, the only... Welcome and bienvenue. Welcome, friend, étranger, stranger. Should I have the lyrics for you next time, Ryan? Luke wow. Lee, Chazian, je suis enchanté. Come on, everyone. Happy to see you. Bye, bye, bye. Welcome and bienvenue. Enough. Uh, we haven't done that in a long time. Welcome to the Adam Sank Show. I am Adam Sank. It is Labor Day weekend, 2019, and this isn't some shitty best of. We are live Labor Day weekend. If you're listening at 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturday, August 31st, 2019, at dnrstudios.com, which is the only place to hear this podcast live and throughout the week that it first airs. So listen, bitches, pony up your six ninety five a month and subscribe to DNR Studios. You can hear me and every other amazing podcast on this uh, network. Leave us your ratings and reviews on iTunes or wherever else you listen to this. Email me, me, at adamandadamsank.com. Please like the Adam Sank Show Facebook page. Do you know what I discovered, Ryan? What did Just you Just a discover? couple days ago. Anaya Milton, one of our biggest fans, yes. had not liked the Adam Sank Show <gasps> page. Anaya. I was... You're in trouble, Missy. Furious, but that has been remedied. Good. Um, what else? Her. Download my two comedy albums, especially Adam Sank's last comedy album. It's on every audio platform you can think of. Go to adamsank.com to keep JB on the ass. Donate to uh, Cycle for the Cause. Ryan and I have both now met our yes. fundraising minimums, but we as a team would love to break 10,000. 10K? We're so close. We are close. So the name of our team is Squeals on Wheels. Uh, <laughs> if you just go to either Ryan's Facebook page or my Facebook page, we're always posting about it. Yes. Um, give what you can. I am super excited about today's show. I am so excited. One of my dream guests is yes. going to be here live in studio. She is the legendary actress, comedian, and muse to Charles Bush. Julie Halston is going to be here. She uh, basically invented the Yoo-Hoo. Yes. Yoo-Hoo! Ladies lunching. If you guys don't know her, and you should, you, uh, you know her from Sex and the City. She yeah. played Bitsy Von Muffling. <laughs> 
uh, an unforgettable character on two episodes. But she's also just an amazingly talented, funny, lovely person who's currently starring on Broadway in Tootsie. She's leaving our podcast today and gonna, in, walking into a theater to, get to appear on Broadway. Doesn't get more showbiz than that. I mean, come on. Um, so Julie will be here. Ryan is obviously here. JB Hi. is here. Hello. Welcome to you both. Um, and we are going to jump right in. Let's jump right in. Because there was a major controversy this past week. Oh, dear. And I'm so tired of it, and yet I feel the need to address it. Yeah, let's talk about it. So this is about not Laura, like I keep saying, Lara. Lara. Lara Spencer. Oh, on Lara. Good, like, I, my Laura sister is Laura, yeah. but this is Lara Spencer on Good Morning America. Like Laura Croft. She was doing a story mm. about Prince George, mm. who is the six-year-old son of, help me out, Prince William and, and Kate. Princess Kate. And Prince George is now enrolled in school, and she was talking about the classes he was taking. And <clears throat> it appeared that she was mocking the fact that he was taking ballet and laughing at the idea of a boy being in ballet, as were her colleagues, by the way, as was the live studio audience. Um, before we talk about the reaction, I want you all to listen to what she actually said. And I want you to listen particularly to what she says at the very end of the clip. Hit it. Prince George, just six years old, heading back to school, like so many kids around the world, but well, unlike other kids his age, it sounds like the third in line to the throne is in for quite a demanding year. Details of George's curriculum have been released, making us all really happy we don't have to do homework anymore. <laughs> in addition to the usual first or second grade things like math, science, and history, the future King of England will be putting down the Play-Doh to take on religious studies, computer programming, poetry, and ballet, among other things. <laughs> you couldn't contain, oh, he looks so happy about the ballet class. Prince George, Prince William says George absolutely loves ballet. I have news for you, Prince William. We'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> Between the religious studies and the computer programming, I just want to go back to the Play-Doh. Okay. Now, go ahead, Ryan. Well, <clears throat> my, my question is, because she says all these things, ballet is the last thing, and the audience is the first to react, which means that she did, when she said ballet, I feel like there, there must be some sort of like look on her face, because she like basically is telling the audience how to respond. She, she showed her feelings and it, and it informed the audience and they reacted and then she reacted and then everyone reacted. Here's how I uh, interpret what she did. Now, keep in mind, first of all, I, I know L Lara. We mm -hmm. worked together at WABC when I was there for six months uh, in the early 2000s. She was always very lovely. I don't think she's homophobic, but aside from that, I know how TV news works, right? Mm -hmm. She's reading off a teleprompter. Mm -hmm. Somebody else wrote the script for her. Sometimes anchors will see their script and they'll tweak it. They'll rewrite part if they, if they want to say it differently. But they, by and large, particularly at that hour in the morning, are just reading something someone else wrote. I took her to mean that all of these things, the ballet, the history, the, um, what were some of the others that she mentioned? Um, religious. Religious studies. That studies. it was so much for a six-year-old to be taking on. Computer. Computer science. science. Right, thank you. That These are not subjects that a normal six-year-old has to worry about. Most six-year-olds are learning, like, how to write with crayons and stuff. Right. 
I I took her laughter and sort of her snarkiness to be about that. About all of it. About all of it. Now, there's no question that she and the audience and the, her colleagues, including George Stephanopoulos, who got off scot-free, were laughing about the idea of a boy liking ballet. Right. But when she says, let me tell you something, Prince William, we'll see how long that lasts. That has nothing. I don't think she's saying because there's no way a boy could like ballet. I think right. she's saying as as a mother, which she is, sometimes little kids get really into something for a minute. Sure. And then they're not. But do you, do you know what I'm saying about like she she informed how the audience responded to it? And I, I'd have to rewatch the clip to see how she says ballet, like how she like physically is. is I get what you're saying. And, it, and listen, it's clearly nuanced. And. I'm glad that we're having the discussion, but my God, the reaction so, yeah, the to reaction, this though, has been insane, yeah. particularly on our Facebook feeds, because yes. Ryan and I know a lot of performers, a lot of dancers, mm -hmm. a lot of Broadway boys and wannabe Broadway boys. How to work. The, well, Probably so boys. there was a 300 person protest in front of GMA Studios. All these dancing queens that we know showed up and were dancing in front of GMA Studios to protest and Travis Wall recorded a video mm -hmm. and... Debbie Allen recorded a video, and Nigel Lithgow, who is such a fucking hypocrite because he's the world's biggest homophobe. Right. All these people were, I mean, they were calling for her to be fired. Yeah, that's the thing. This, this, the reaction would have been awesome had it been something a little bit more like serious. And yeah, I mean, about. yeah, or something that we hear on Fox News every single day. Right. Like, why attack Laura Spencer? I just feel like the over, the reaction was so disproportionate to the crime. In any case, she did apologize. Here's the apology. I screwed up. I did. The comment I made about dance was insensitive. It was stupid. And I am deeply sorry. I've spoken with several members of the dance community over the past few days. I have listened. I have learned about the bravery it takes for a young boy to pursue a career in dance. And last night I sat down with three influential dancers who have lived it firsthand. And then they went into a segment with these three queens, um, one of whom was Travis Wall, mm. uh, to talk about like what it was like growing up as a boy. And listen, again, I'm so glad we're having this conversation. Yeah. I think it's great. I think obvious, listen, I grew up, I was never a dancer mm. because I don't have the coordination. Uh, but I grew up doing musical theater. Yeah. I know what it is to be a, a boy in a world that's dominated by girls and where you're not supposed to like any of this. Right. You know, I was in my bedroom listening to Broadway cast albums of Sweeney Todd and Evita when I was six. Mm -hmm. Everyone thought there was something really wrong with me. Right. So I get it. And I, I am on the side of everyone who supports boys being in the arts and specifically in dance and, and ballet and all forms of dance. But Jesus Christ, like, let's not stone the woman. Right. Well, for what to me seems like a minor infraction. Also, there is something to be said about like in other countries, people are you know much more well-rounded as far as like they do like take ballet and six different languages and an instrument and like you know what I mean. Like that's sort of how people are raised over there. Like we're lazy in in the right. states. I mean, like, we suck when it comes to the arts in general. We don't value them as yeah. a culture, and you know, basically for Trump supporters culture is going to a nascar race yeah not to the ballet meanwhile our at friend okay our friend lady synagoga who's yes. been on the show before text, of the texted me this the reason that the reaction feels disproportionate is because 
almost all of those dancers are out of work, so they have all the time to get on Facebook and rant. <laughs> tea That is some shade. That is some scalding hot tea. I'm trying to hit the shade button, but it's too far away from me. Shade. shade. Oh, a double Ooh. shade. Okay, moving on. And I am, I am moving on. I don't want to talk We're about done. this ever again. Laura Spencer, Canceled. I forgive you. Uh, everyone needs moving to calm forward. the fuck down. Meanwhile, this is exciting. Lil Nas X has become the first openly LGBTQ musician ever to win Song of the Year at the VMAs. That's, this shocks me. I, yeah, I guess it's... Think about Elton John and Boy George and yeah, Melissa but Etheridge. And, but, I mean, Boy George was huge yeah. in the video age. I'm sh- of course, he wasn't openly gay at the right. time. But, yeah, Lil Nas X rode his horse all the way to history Monday night. Um, he created an instant meme because he got on stage and said, I have some people to thank, and he dropped this enormous scroll that oh like hit the ground. Gag. But then he didn't actually use it. Yeah. So it's a very funny visual. Um, we love a stunt. But so, yeah, I mean, first gay person of color, first gay person, period, to win Song of the Year at the VMAs. We, awesome. t- we talked a couple weeks ago about how his um, song, old what is it called? Country Road? Old Country Road? Mm-hmm. I think Old Country Road. Old yeah. Town Road. Old Town Road. It's been on the... Um, the Billboard charts longer than like any other song. It, it's he, he's been at number one for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, Billy Ray Cyrus was on stage with him because he guested on one of the remixes of Old Town Road. So good for Lil Nas X. Meanwhile, Taylor Swift won Video of the Year for her LGBTQ anthem. You need to calm down. And she, <laughs> can you explain what happened and what happened with John Travolta? So, as we all know, John Travolta does not. Um, Thrive at award ceremonies. Adele Dazim. Adele Dazim, uh, if we uh, can all remember back to that iconic moment. So basically, um, in Taylor Swift's video, she brought in all these drag queens to do like um, celebrity impersonations. So Tatiana from um, season two was uh, uh, Ariana Grande. Um, you know, uh, th- various queens. Drag were, queens dressed as pop icons. Yeah. So Jade Jolie from season five. Um, who did Taylor Swift on Snatch Game of that season. Right. Um, she was uh, Taylor Swift. And John Travolta turns to Taylor Swift, or turns to Jay Jolie and gives her the VMA. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, no, it's not me. And she's, cause she's right next to Taylor Swift. Right. And, and it is sort of hard to tell really which is. is the real Taylor. I mean, the illusion They is looked great. Pretty great. Um, but it's just so funny. He's just like, he just doesn't. He's he's really not bright. I think he's one of those um, artistic savants. Like (laughs) he's great at acting and singing and dancing, but he he doesn't have any brain. He's been warped by that Church of Scientology all these years. There you go. He's also gay. Yeah. Um, What else was I going to just say about that? Oh, and then after so after her VMA acceptance, where she's up there with all these drag queens and Todrick Hall, who Uh, we won't get started. Um, and she makes a plea for the Equality Act to be pushed uh, through Congress and for the president to sign it. Of course, she's fucking slammed the next morning on Fox and Friends. Yeah, but you know Leave what? Leave politics out of it. You don't know what you're talking about. I, I think she does know what she's talking about. I think it was a really... Um, p- people were criticizing her for, like, exploiting... Yeah, our allies. Or whatever. Uh, gay people are attacking her. It's... Uh, this incredibly strong ally. I, I, Our community I sucks sometimes. really does suck. And I personally don't care for her as an, as an artist, but I do feel like 
anyone that's willing to use their platform yeah. for equality is okay. And I don't vote. care what her motivation is. No. Let's say she really doesn't give a shit about us and this is all just for, for fans and yeah. publicity. Good. I don't care. Anyone who stands up on a national stage that's being televised yeah. to millions of people and says we need to push the LGBTQ Equality Act through Congress is doing good. Yeah. Period. Period. Okay. End of story. Fuck everyone. Oh, oh, Go ahead, JB. Let, let's say you, you just say you don't care if they actually believe it or not. But let's say they're only doing this for, for, publis, for mm-hmm. publicity and whatnot. And a couple years later down the line, they totally go against what, they, what they've been saying. That would be a problem. Yeah. I, I have no, how do I say this? Taylor Swift has shown me no evidence of an ally until she was called out for not being an ally. And they supposedly became an ally. I don't buy into that for her. And this just seems a giant publicity stunt. No, again, I'm totally okay with people supporting our rights, but... Is your mic on? I can barely hear you. It is. Okay. I just talk really low. Yeah. There okay. you are. I'm sorry. So sorry. Sing out, Louise. Um, I don't want the audience to miss a moment of this. I forgot my train. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it, do you think that's uh, it, true, Rye, that this was just a... Uh, it, it might be. It may, it may be true. But you know what? Like you said, I think that regardless, it's still, it's still using the platform. I, I, I don't know. <clears> I just feel like... I'm trying to um, be less critical. Well, and people do evolve, JB. You know, Barack Obama was against gay marriage until he wasn't. Hillary Clinton was against gay marriage until she wasn't. Some of it is uh, political expediency, and some of it is people really do evolve, and they become more aware. I'm way more woke about every issue than I was five years ago, ten years ago. There's jokes that I have online right now on YouTube that make me cringe. Yeah. And I should really take them down. Yeah. Because they're just offensive. And And, and I didn't think they were offensive at the time. I didn't know they were. You know? Yeah. I think that if she showed up at a party hosted by... What's his face? The the, um, Equinox guy or like... Oh, yeah. You know, like if If she she threw... If she gave money to Trump or something. Then I would say we got to call this bitch out. All right. Well, moving on, um, RuPaul's Drag Race has not been on the air for months now, but that doesn't stop uh, Ryan from coming up with several stories that he would like to report. So I turn you over now to our RuPaul's Drag Drag Race correspondent, Ryan Froster. Shantae, you stay. So I've been uh, I've been desperately waiting for the return of RuPaul's Drag Race. And I'm happy to share with our listeners that we have not one, not two, but three seasons of Drag Race coming this year. Wow. So the first season that we're going the first season that's been publicly announced is Drag Race UK, which has been in the works for a few years now. It's a cast of 10 queens. Um, there's mostly white to uh, two queens of color. And uh, I think it's going to be about eight episodes. It's RuPaul. It's Michelle Visage, Graham Norton. And I can't remember the fourth judge. Now, I have a question about this. Yes. There have been international versions of Drag Race, yes? So there was... Um, Isn't there like Singapore? There was and... Drag Race Thailand, oh, but Thailand. it wasn't RuPaul's Drag Race Thailand. Right. So it was like, I think it was... I don't even know if WoW produced it. They probably at least got a cut. Yeah, exactly. But this is the first time it'll RuPaul's actually be Drag RuPaul Race. herself and her, yes. her usual cast and crew. Yes. Um, just Michelle... And then everyone else, like I don't think Ross Matthews will be on it or mm-hmm. Carson. Um, but I'm really. And they're all British queens. They're all British queens. However, there is one queen, Blue Hydrangea, <laughs> who I somehow follow on Instagram, 
And I've, I've been following her probably for about a year now, and she works regularly at Mickey's in West Hollywood. Hmm. So I'm wondering if it's like, I don't know how that works as far as like Visa and like how you can... Is she American, though? I think she's from the UK. She could be like Sherry Davey, who we had on last week, who's yeah. American, like but grew up in the UK and has a British accent. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Courtney Act. Dual citizenship. Yeah, yeah. So, who knows? But um, I'm excited. I, I, I will probably be <laughs> buying a membership to WoW Presents. Ryan's going to buy like a, uh, some kind of rabbit ear <laughs> Everyone was like, <laughs> antenna yeah. for his TV to try to get UK. Apparently, Drag Race is the first five seasons are now on Amazon. Um, whatever it's called and everyone was trying to tell me and I was like you don't think I don't own every season of Drag Race <laughs> right anyway so that's right. the so first one so what's the second story so the two other seasons oh two um, we're gonna get All Stars 5 okay which I'm very excited about because um, this hasn't this is mm, I don't want to call this a spoiler but it's basically it's basically supposed to be um, formatted as old school versus new school right um, and they haven't announced the cast yet, so I'm not gonna not gonna give any spoilers as far as casting. Please do not. But I have a feeling that this is going to be the strongest season of All Stars since two. And that's a bold since statement. Two. And then we're gonna get uh, season twelve, probably early next year. We already know that there are a few New York queens in the cast. I won't give any spoilers, but. Um, is there such a thing as too many drag races, Ryan? I don't think so. <laughs> I, I really mean, don't. I, I, there's only so many hours in the day that I can watch all of this. I think that, like, I, don't you feel like it's been a long time since we've watched? I feel like getting the summer to have a break and then having a, like, a full year of drag race is great. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't need to see this much. But I'm happy for you and I'm happy for all of the other well, you'll be hearing crazy RuPaul fans. Crazy RuPaul fans. About it, I want to give you an update, you and the listeners. Thank you, Ryan, for yes, that. Um, about uh, a story that we were talking about two weeks ago when we had on Matthew Mason. Remember that yes. cutie pie from Modesto, yes, yes, California? Yes. He was fighting the effort to mount a straight pride event. Well, the straight pride event in Modesto happened and it failed spectacularly. Woo! Were there only five people there? There were more than five. Damn it. Um, they, they ended up having it at a private barn. What? <laughs> it's actually a popular event space, but it's like a barn that you can rent out yeah. um, outside Modesto. Um, and let's see. The straight pride attendees were at the barn. The LGBTQ community members uh, and allies held a pro-diversity event at the park. The park event drew 250. Over at the barn, they had about 20. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is so sad. <laughs> And then those 20 relocated outside a Planned Parenthood clinic to protest that. And the clinic was closed and no one was coming in and out. And the whole thing was just like a, a mess. Um, Don Grundman, who's that fucking Nazi that we talked about last time, um, he, uh, he said the straight pride event exists to protect heterosexuality, the nuclear family, babies, Caucasians, Christianity, and nationalism. My eyes just rolled around my head. Another times. straight pride event is set to take place in Boston. We've been talking about this one all summer, August 31st. Organized. That's the one that has Milo Yiannopoulos as their oh, yeah. grand marshal. Mm -hmm. So we hope that that uh, fails spectacularly as well. But congratulations to Matthew Mason and all of his other yes. um, 
uh, pro-equality activists yes. who fought against this straight pride event being a much bigger deal than it was. Meanwhile, there's another story this week about Jerry Falwell Jr. Mm. Now, if you recall, Jerry Falwell Jr., the son of uh, right-wing evangelical asshole Jerry Falwell mm-hmm. and the founder of Liberty University, the last time we talked about him, there was this scandal involving him and his wife and a pool boy right. who did yes. not want to be called a pool boy. <laughs> he wanted to be called a pool attendant. Sure. Yes. They had, for some reason, given him a multi-million dollar business after they became acquainted with him. Mm-hmm. And there was some talk that per- perhaps Michael Cohen, Donald Trump's former attorney, had photographs, incriminating photographs involving Falwell and his wife and the pool boy. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, the Falwells denied it. But no one could explain why they had given this very handsome young man who they barely knew, apparently, this multi-million dollar um, hotel to run. Well... Now it's happened again. This time, it's a 23-year-old trainer, a personal trainer named Benjamin Crosswhite, a recent graduate of Liberty University. Of course. And thanks to Falwell Jr.'s generosity, he's now the owner of a sprawling, multi-million dollar, 18-acre racquetball and fitness facility located on former university property. I am so fucking pissed off. Like, I'm shook. really pissed off. What is going on? I don't understand. How I, I, these little fuckers get sugar dads like that. I want sugar dads like that. That's what I'm we saying. We busted my ass, all this hard work, and these little fuckers with well, privilege. But do you want to have sex with Jerry Falwell Jr. and his I wife? Will, I will suck any man's dick if it came out with a multi-million dollar payout. But okay? I, see, I don't think that's what's happening. I think he's a, he's a classic cuck, mm-hmm. and he just wants to watch these hot young studs fuck his wife because he probably can't even get it up because yes. and, and, he's gay, and so he like... That's what... Well, I'll do that too for a multi-million dollar payout. Well, right, sometime David. around 2011, Falwell and his wife, Rebecca began personal fitness training sessions with Benjamin Crosswhite. And then five years later, Falwell signed a real estate deal transferring the sports facility, complete with tennis courts and fitness center, which had been owned by the university, over to this kid. So he's 23 years old and he now well, owns, now he's, he's running it? Like what? Uh, he's now, now he would be, let's see, if he was 23 in 2011. Oh, this was, okay. Help me out. Oh, God. <laughs> 31. Oh, okay. Uh, Crosswhite wasn't required to put down any of his own money toward the purchase price. I mean, this is bigger than just the the, the weird sexual kinky aspect of it. This is um, financial malfeasance. This, the Liberty University is, is a nonprofit university. It's one of these like so-called Christian organizations that pays no taxes and rakes in millions of dollars. And this dude is funneling the money to a bunch of hot young studs. Liberty University also gave Crosswhite a $1.2 million loan with a super low interest rate to buy property from the school and then paid him almost $650,000 to lease it back to him. So a, a lot of this could be illegal. Yeah, it, so- it sounds like some sort of like scheme. Like I don't understand what's... Well, and also, are the boys blackmailing them? Yeah. It, is it like a prearrangement? Because this is a lot of money mm. to give to a hooker. First of all, I feel like these boys aren't smart enough to blackmail on this type of level. This must be his idea. Like, these kids are coming out of a basic-ass community college. No, no, Liberty University is not a community college. It's a basic-ass shit. It's the first time I'm hearing about it, so it's basic. She's basic. <laughs> I'm pretty sure no one's coming out with a master's in how to rule the fucking world. They're I will say... on top with good luck and silver spoons in their mouth. I will say, I saw pictures of the of the 
fitness trainer. He's and cute. He's not as hot as the pool boy, and he's definitely not worth $18 million. Wow. You know, he's all right. He's There's a lot of pictures of him training Falwell online. <laughs> and by the way, Falwell is still active on Twitter. And uh, every time he posts anything, I'm like, that's interesting. What about when you and your wife fucked the pool boy in the personal train? Like, I keep trolling him. I'm also banned oh, from Twitter right. for the next six days. I just saw that. By, because I said I wish that Donald – I didn't even say I wish. I said – Joe Scarborough from MSNBC tweeted that something was wrong with Trump, that he was having trouble speaking and he seemed kind of out of it. And I wrote, as a reply, I wrote, on the plus side, maybe he'll die. <laughs> or on the upside, maybe he'll die. And someone reported me and I'm now banned from Twitter for six days. It was one of those Trump Have you been banned? You've been banned before, right? Not for a whole week, I wow. don't think. <laughs> you made it. Anyway, uh, last story before we do the Pride update. Um, this is good news out of Louisville, Kentucky. Remember that horrible bitch, Kim Davis, the sure clerk, oh, yes. who wouldn't sign marriage licenses after the Supreme Court ruled that uh, same-sex marriage was legal? Mm -hmm. Well, the state of Kentucky must now pay uh, almost a quarter of a million dollars in legal fees um, to the couples, to the same-sex couples that Kim Clerk refused to issue a uh, marriage license to. This is according to a federal appeals court ruling. Uh, she was successfully sued in 2015. In 2017, a federal district judge held that the couple suing David's, Davis for the marriage licenses clearly prevailed and that the state of Kentucky must pay their legal fees and costs. The other part of this that's interesting is the court ruled that she personally can now be sued by them. <laughs> Thank God. Um, before, the Word. governor had been defending her and the state had been defending her saying like, well, she can't be sued personally. She can only, only the state can be right. sued because she was acting as a state employee. And now they're like, but once the state loses like millions of dollars, they're like, oh, go for her. Yeah. Right. <laughs> go off. Miller versus Davis involved eight people who sued Davis over not receiving marriage licenses. Uh, in 2017, the U.S. District Judge has said that the state, not Davis, was liable. But in this new ruling... They're saying she's liable as well. She, Davis, if you remember, was uh, ran for re-election and was defeated by a Democrat, Elwood Cowdell, uh, in November 2018. So she's fucked. Good. And she still wears those horrible rompers. Oh, my rompers. God. I was just thinking about the year after that all went down. There was I remember seeing so many Halloween costumes of people dressed like her. And mm -hmm. they wore, like, the white kind of, like... Um, undershirt long sleeve with the little like uh, what are they called a camisole on top she's a disaster she, uh, in every way yeah. well that brings us to this week's pride roundup hit it Ann Steele Love can take us there. this is a uh, pride is kind of winding down there is not a lot of pride events in September but one thing happening in New Orleans right now yes yeah, Southern, Southern Decadence. Have you ever been? No, but I know a lot of people that are there right now. We both know a lot of people who are there yeah. right now. And I have heard amazing things about it. I've, I've never been to NOLA. I really would like to go. Me neither. I've heard that there's daisy chains. Like you walk into a bar and there's just a daisy chain of guys fucking one another. That sounds So we lovely. should plan a trip. Yeah. Uh, September 2nd through 8th is Benidorm Pride in Spain. 6th through 15th is Malta Pride. Yay. Our friends Scott and Justin just missed it. Yep. Uh, the parade in Malta is on September 14th. September 8th is Oakland Pride in Oakland, California. So we wish everyone a happy, healthy, proud, safe Pride. Today and every day. Yes. And that brings us to our studio guest who I'm so excited about. Our guest today is a legend. 
in my book. Starring, starting in the 1980s, she has served as the muse for our good friend, playwright Charles Bush, starring in some of his most famous works, including Vampire Lesbians of Sodom and The Divine Sister. She's appeared in multiple Broadway shows, including Hairspray, Anything Goes, and On the Town. She's a Drama Desk Award nominee and a four-time Mac Award winner, currently starring on Broadway in Tootsie, the musical. But for millions of Sex and the City fans, she will always be Bitsy Von Muffling. Ladies, lunching! Bitsy Von Muffling had recently married cabaret singer Bobby Fine. Well. Known to everyone but Bitsy as the gayest gay man alive. Hi! Oh, my goodness, look at you! Can you believe it? Me, pregnant! It's a girl. Bobby is so excited, he's already got two names picked out. Judy or Barbara. We're gonna wait to see what she looks like. I like Judy. And I owe it all to Dr. Mao. Or as we call him, Dr. Wow acupuncturist slash miracle worker. Seriously, I couldn't take it anymore with the IUIs and the IVFs and the I give up. Anyway, then I go to this guy and poof, I'm with child. Just from going to acupuncture? I don't know how the hell it works, but this guy could get a cactus pregnant. And joining us now in studio is the legendary Julie Halston. Hello. Oh my God, I forgot how funny that scene was. It's so good. The writing is amazing. It really was so good. So great. I well, forgot about the cactus and Dr. Wow and oh God. You were and so wonderful we and the character was so friends. lovable. Yeah. It was great. It was great. People do stop me still you, on is, the street. Is that what you're most recognized for? Yeah. And in fact, I was in Istanbul in like 2009 or 10, 2009. And literally, dare we say, uh, like three gay men came running up to me going, Bitsy, Bitsy. And I actually had on a leather jacket that was like my Sex in the City jacket. Oh. And I opened it up and like their heads exploded. I'm sure. Oh my so God. they bought me a drink. We had, you know, photos. Fabulous. It was, And one of them, we're still friends on Instagram and Facebook. Nice. <laughs> yeah. well, she was such a lovable character. Yeah, yeah. Julie, we have had Broadway people on the podcast before, but you are the first person who is currently starring in a Broadway show and being on the podcast in the same day. I like that. That's, That's nice. That's really, really nice. How is Tootsie going? Well, it's going. Um, we're selling really well until December. You know, then January is always a little nerve-wracking. Yes, it's a slow time. On Broadway. Yeah. On the Broadway, as we call it. <laughs> the Broadway. Broadway. Um, but, you know, the audiences absolutely love this show um i loved it yeah. i thought it was really one of the funniest books of a musical since that I've, like the producers yes and robert horn really deserved that tony Me, I, I think. agree and i think santino really deserved that tony too i mean he is in every scene he is singing his heart out he's michael dorsey he's dorothy michaels the fast changes are insane he, he has works like his six, ass off yes yeah, six people on him um, but the thing that I love about it is that it's a book that's updated for today, but also the cavalcade of comedy performances oh, yeah. are astounding. You know, between Sarah Stiles, John Bellman, Andy Grote, Lucian, Lily Cooper, myself, Santino, You're all at the Mike top McGraw, of your game. We're all, all great comedians. Comedians. And Robert was so smart. He like looked at the room and he was like, okay, I know how to write for that one, that, 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 and that. And it's a smart, smart book. 
So. Yeah, I you know t- it takes a lot for me to laugh out loud yeah. during watching theater. And Tootsie the movie is my all time favorite movie. Oh, is it? So, oh, great. Oh yeah. So when I had heard that they had changed it and it was no longer in a hosp- uh, it was no longer soap opera. It was going to be a musical. I got all worried, and I was my face hurt from laughing at that show. Do you know I still am backstage, and when John Bellman says. Yes, it's a little infected, you know, with the tattoo. <laughs> yeah. I still crack up every night. Every night. I'm supposed to tell you that Joel Gray's assistant, Stephen Cesaro, sends his best. Oh, yes. Oh, oh how's he doing? He's doing he's, great. He's a friend of ours. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's adorable. Yeah. We sing in the gay men's chorus with him. Oh, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's yeah. a loyal listener, and he was very excited when he found out that you were going to be on the show. Oh, that's so great. That's so great. You- I loved your other conversation, by oh, the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was really fascinating. <laughs> I mean, we have lots you know, of, uh, when I hear about those kind of hateful people, it's like, I don't really want them to die. I'm not going to go that far at right. all. I, I think, they, you know, they deserve to live. But maybe herpes on the face. Yeah. Maybe, just maybe. Or just like a bout of ass cancer. Yeah, yes. something, something that, something you know. Something drastic, but, Yeah, you know. something, yeah. Well, the worst different. is it's like, you know, we all know people who are so lovely and generous and get sick or die. And, and then Donald Trump, who's, you know, this morbidly pure obese, pure well, he doesn't evil, even get sick. Doesn't get sick, sleeps, d- sleeps four hours a night, lives on Big Macs. It's like, where's his massive What's going coronary? on? Yeah. yeah, what is going on? But, it's so you know, unfair. It is. It's unfair. Julie, I want to uh, go back to the 80s. Yes. When I first became aware of you. Yes. I, I told Charles Bush when he was on the show that when I was growing up in Summit, New Jersey, the only Jew in Summit, New Jersey, uh, <sighs> we'd, we'd go to the local synagogue and they had twofers um, on the, on the, in the lobby, on the table that, for different off-Broadway shows. And okay, one of them was Vampire Lesbians of Sodom. And I would go, what is this? <laughs> and why is this sitting out in the lobby of a synagogue? Uh, in Summit, New Jersey. How did you and Charles first meet? Well, it's a it's a wacky kind of story. Uh, there's a guy that I went to college with. Uh, he, he was Bobby Cohen when I knew him. Then he got married and he changed his name to his husband's name, Bobby Ducharme. But he knew Charles Bush from childhood. He knew me from college. And he thought that we should meet. And I was like, well... I actually don't need another gay man in my life. Right. I need to get laid, actually. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, great. ding, ding, ding. Um, but he was like, no, 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 I really think you guys would really get on. Anyway, cut to a number of years later, particularly in, like, the early 80s, when we first became aware of gay pneumonia. Remember, it was yes. called gay pneumonia. Mm-hmm. And gay cancer. And gay cancer and grid. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, wasn't called AIDS then. Uh, Bobby was living in San Francisco and he was like, you should come to San Francisco and do a fundraiser because we know people who are dying in San Francisco Memorial Hospital and that we don't know why they're, except that they're gay. We don't know what's going on. I didn't know... I was working on Wall Street, wanting to be an actress, kind of auditioning on the side, working on Wall Street because I needed money. Um, I happened to go out to see Bobby. I did do this weird little fundraiser where I did like a one-woman show. I don't even remember what it was called. I think it was called like An Evening with Julie Halston. (laughs) Charles was in the audience because he happened to be doing his one-man show. It was at the Valencia Rose, which was a mortuary. Hmm. It used to be a mortuary. 
Um, well, believe me, my doing my show was a mortuary. Oh, no, it didn't go uh, well. No, it was, it was really bad. <laughs> um, but, but he looked, must have seen something in you. He did. I was quite stylish. I had a sort of Videl Sassoon cut mm. with mm. a white jumpsuit and Fabulous. a gash of red lips. But I didn't really think much of Charles. He didn't really think of much of me. And by the way, at that time, who was also, I think, appearing at the Valencia Rose was Leah Delaria, like Love who her. would sort of say, I adore She's her, great. sort of sing, but then just say, are you a dyke? <laughs> Fuck you. You know, I mean, it was like, is that the act? Right. Is that the act? Well, it was, I guess. <laughs> Anyway, we were all there. I didn't know that she had started that early. She oh, must have yeah. been a kid. We, I'm telling you, we, it, yes, I think she was. And she was sort of, even then, true to who she was. Yeah. Um, anyway, Charles and I didn't really, we didn't, we were very wary of each other. He got back to New York. He was doing his one-man show. He needed an audience. He literally invited you know, literally like pigeons on the street, right. anyone he knew. <laughs> and it just so happened that even though I had a terrible act, I knew a lot of people. So he invited me to his act and I kept bringing people and he was like, I'll comp you in, I'll comp you in. I kept bringing people to his act and he was like, well, she is popular. You know, she might be untalented, but she's popular. <laughs> you were a draw. I was a draw on a certain level. Yeah. And I fell mad for his act. I loved it. It was called Alone with a Cast of Thousands. And he would just put a hat on and be a woman or put a scarf on. And was be this at Duplex? No, it was at a place that doesn't even exist anymore. It was called the Shandal Theater. And you literally went there, like imperiling your own life. <laughs> literally, rats would be like under your feet. Oh, it was wow. scary. It was somewhere in, in Chelsea. Oh. It was so, I think it was in Chelsea, actually. Mm -hmm. The Shandal. Um, it was scary. Oy, what a Shanda. But it was a Shanda, the Shandal. <laughs> um, I don't know what it is now, but it really needs to be destroyed. But anyway, he ended up writing this little skit. It was a skit called Vampire Lesbians of Sodom. Mm. No one would be his co-star. Even his own sister turned him down. <laughs> oh my God. And, you know, he really couldn't get anyone to be his co-star. Alola Pashalinsky from the wonderful Charles Ludlam Company, the Ridiculous Theater, she did it one weekend and was like, I'm out, done. Why, why was there such resistance to it? Because it was so strange? No, it was because he was doing it on the Lower East Side, which was a very dangerous area at mm -hmm. that point. There was no bathroom. Lola Pashalinsky was a legend in the off-Broadway world. This was off, off, off-Broadway. <laughs> we might as well been in Summit, New Jersey. Right. Um, there wouldn't have been any rats. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and we could go shopping. At yeah. The, you know. Um, Short Hills Mall. You literally walked into these places on the Lower East Side and like you would stepping on syringes, crack Aye. vials, crack pipes. It was scary. So you said, sign me up. I was like, sign me up. Great. I did. And he was like, well, can you act? I mean, you know what I mean? He saw my act, didn't like it. And, and, you, ha and you could act. You, were, you had been trained. I, I went to Hofstra University, and I was a performance major. But, you know, they didn't know what to do with me either. I'm not joking. Everyone was just like, she's got something, but, but we're not sure but what, what it is, and, how to and, harness and, it. You know, I wanted to be head of Gabler, and they were like, what? <laughs> you speak in Comac language, you know? Yeah. Um, anyway... 
I went to his apartment. Ken Elliott was our director. They sort of auditioned me, but didn't, you know, it was sort of like, let's just read it. Well, it just kept getting worse and worse. And Ken was, I heard him in the kitchen. He was like, Charles, she's terrible. What are we going to do? <laughs> and he was like, well, she told me she played Nina in The Seagull at Hofstra. And, um, which I did in the lab. But uh, anyway, long story short, I met the company. They loved me. I loved them. I still didn't quite get the style, the sort of heightened style. Mm -hmm. And I said, look, guys, I know I stink in rehearsal, but you put a wig on me and put me in front of a crowd of gay men, and I am going to glow! <laughs> and let me tell you, I walked out on that stage, and magic and happened. Alive. It really was a crazy alchemy. I don't know if it was the wig, you know, because the costume was like, my own clothes. Yeah. But was it the lashes? Was it the wig? What was it? But it was this strange alchemy. You know, performers kick in. Well, and I think it's something you probably have in common with drag queens. Yes. I was just thinking about you that. You know, a yes. drag queen one-on-one -on -one can be a big bore. Yeah. But a drag queen, when she's in full drag and walks stage. out into a nightclub, like, is is It's transformative. Magical. Yeah. It's magical. It's alchemy. It's transformative. That's what happened. And the audience went cuckoo for my character. Kind of like Bitsy. It was like, oh, it was like very quick. And the company saw it. Everyone witnessed it. And Charles was like, I'm writing for her. And he was the one, though, that saw that I had a big, big personality and that bigger was better. Yes. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's like a drag queen. Mm -hmm. Sometimes well, it's bigger very much is his, better. It's very much his sensibility, too. Of course. And... Once he would say certain words to me, like, you know, it's kind of like Eve Arden on acid, or do you know what I mean? Like, uh, Tallulah Bankhead on that. You we, got all the references. We got yeah. it. We got it. We got it. I'm like, oh, they're not going to tell me Tallulah Bankhead on acid at Hofstra. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? They're going to make me, like, real and be very, you know, look at the other actor. And, you know, I've, I've, I haven't looked at another actor on stage in 40 years. But, <laughs> but it works. You know what I mean? It does work when you're playing a heightened. And even Rita Marshall, the character that I play yes. in Tootsie, she kind of is in the tradition of this. I mean, she's got the big wig. She has the most beautiful costume. Yes, William your Ivy clothes Long are fabulous. Are, it's unbelievable. Have you seen costume. it yet? No. Oh, oh you, you have, have to. to see you it. really have to really, see yeah, it. Yeah, Julie really looks amazing. You know, the clothes alone. I thought you were wearing Chanel. I, I'm not wearing Chanel. I'm wearing vintage uh, Yves Saint Laurent. I'm wearing mm. um, some clothes that were built for me, yeah. that William Ivy Long built for me. Um, St. John, vintage Dolce & Gabbana. Um, again, other clothes were built for me. But, I mean, they are spectacular. And the thing that I noticed actually just the other night was like when Rita Marshall speaks to the other characters, she sort of speaks to them, but sort of over them because mm -hmm. she's the producer. Right. She has of, all the power. She has all the power. So she can kind of stand center stage and declaim. Yeah. And which is kind of what I did with Charles's work. Um, you know, just sort of stand there and declaim and so, sort of vaguely look at him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, but it is that great drag sensibility, which is, I'm bigger than life. I have something to say, and we're going to do it with a lot of style, a lot of panache, and, and also tell a narrative. I mean, we're yeah. going to tell a story. Right. 
So uh, it, it's really kind of a, it's a gift, you it's know. Camp. It's, it's, it's high camp. Yeah, it really it's is. But so also, good. you know, but when with something is, yeah. yes, but something, when something is so artificial, like I always talk about lip synker this way, mm -hmm. you know, lip synker is such an artificial creation. She's totally real. That's right. You know, the artifice is so constructed, so beautifully done. It's real. Mm. That's right. You know, Julie, in the early 90s, you had an off-Broadway show called Julie Halston's Lifetime of Comedy. Yes. That was yes, critically acclaimed. Yes. You were nominated for an Obie. Yes. Right? Or, I, was, or I know a, it was a, a, um, out of critics. Out of critics. Yeah. Yes. I, I, when are you going to bring this back? Well, believe it or not, I actually am doing um, October 3rd at Birdland, at Birdland Theater. I am doing a little show. And it does kind of go back to where I started. The very first show I ever wrote, which Charles Bush, again, encouraged me to write. And I was like, no, no, no. And he goes, well, you got to do it because I booked you. Mm -hmm. He booked me before I even wrote something. Um, is, uh, the first show I ever wrote was called Julie Halston, I'll Be the Judge of That. <laughs> and this show on October 3rd at Birdland Theater is called Judge Julie Presiding. And I have me in full regalia with a gavel, completely done up in <laughs> lots of jewelry with a judge robe. Yeah. Because, you know, when I think about Judge Judy and, oh, there's now a, a show I found out about, like Hot Bench. There's so many judge there's shows. There's so many yeah. judge right shows. Yeah. They're so horrifying. Yeah, um, I know. They're, they're horrifying. kind of fun to watch. Sometimes. But they're kind of like, oh, man, wow, is America Fuck. Yeah, they're just exploiting human misery. <laughs> misery <laughs> and, and, and just so sad. But I thought, okay, well, I'm going to be the judge of that again. So anyway, we are doing a show October 3rd, and it goes back to that tradition of Julie Halston's Lifetime of Comedy. And we're completely sold out. We've oh. already got a waiting list. Oh. However, you should try to come because... We usually do get the waiting list in. Yeah, no, we I would love to. may break a fire code. But anyway, <laughs> um, I'm so excited that it's sold so well. Like, literally in a week and a half, we were sold. Um, it's October 3rd. And I'm going to go back to that tradition of, you know, Julie Halston doing her thing. I'm so glad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do, like, readings. You know, I'm going to read the wedding announcements from the New York Times. Which yes, Stephen <laughs> mentioned this. Yes. He said, ask her to read from the New York Times. What's, yes. what's that about? Well, it was in the 80s, believe it or not. Um, you know, when we would do five-show weekends, we would all sort of gather in, you know, the crazy Provincetown Playhouse because... You know, when when you're doing five show weekends, you can't really uh, you can't really go home and do you right. know what I mean? We you all have to kind stay of there. You have to sort of stay there. Right. So to to kind of you know make sure we weren't too bored, I used to open up the Times and read the Times. I used to love like the society pages. Right. And in those days, they really were society like super waspy right jonathan beauregard the yes third. they all had four names or three right. names and there was always like the third and the girls were always like they really were blonde blue-eyed you know Paige, peyton cordelia wilcox the da 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 and i was like who the what the freak what is going on right what why is why are, why what qualifies these people what to be covered <laughs> in, in the times and, and not everybody else about their dupioni grandmother's silk wedding dress, you know what I mean? And 
you know, he and then they would say like their previous marriage ended in divorce. So of course, <laughs> of course I yeah, yeah yeah yeah. And then you'd read like about like in between the lines, of course. like you know, Peyton Page Wilcox the third, her marriage ended in divorce. And she's a gym teacher at a girls' school, <laughs> and she's 40. Do you know what I mean? And you look at the picture, and you're like, oh, she's my a dyke. God. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The jig is up on Peyton. The jig is up, Peyton. That's hilarious. So, and I would read these, and Tom Wallino, who was one of our um, stalwart cast members, he was like, Halston, Halston, come on. And Charles, too, they were like, this is comedy gold, you know? And so we would just pass the time doing this. And then it got to the point where I would like read Vogue and I would read like, you know, as the years went on, like Vanity Fair and stuff like that. And I was just like, wow, we have to we have to poke holes in the crazy in the in in the establishment, in the establishment and society and. Julian, the time remaining, we have to play everyone's favorite quiz show, Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Yeah. You were born Julie Abatelli. Yes. Where did Halston come from? I was married. Oh. I was married. Her first marriage ended in divorce. <laughs> yes. um, I was married at a really early age. I was married right after college. I was 20 years old. Wow. Um, to James Thomas Halston, and I just was like... Well, the marriage didn't work out, but that you should tell everyone you were married to the designer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he was he was uh, froic. What's a talent you have that nobody knows about? I actually can bake pretty well. Oh, I'm a decent baker. What's your best dessert? Uh, like a cherry chocolate cake. Mm. It's really good. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, What's a role you'd love to play but never have? Hedda Gabler. You're still (laughs) waiting for someone to cast you. I still want to play Hedda Gabler. I want (laughs) to. Take that gun and point it. <laughs> Why has there never been a porn version called Hedda Gobbler? Oh, I Come think on. there has been. No, I, th- I think there has <laughs> I'm been. I can't be the first one to have thought of yeah, that. Yeah, no. Uh, let's see. F. Mary Kill. This is a Sex in the City version. This, you have to fuck one, marry one, and oh, kill Oh, yeah. One. We play this in the, in the, at the uh, downstairs all the time. Mm, do you? Yes. Big, Steve, or Harry? Wait, who? Did you watch the show? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm assuming you were as big a fan of the show as we were. No. These are the three love interests of, of Carrie, Carrie, Charlotte, and Miranda. Oh, 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 okay. No. Oh, you mean, oh, I thought you were talking about like The Bachelorette or whatever. No, of those Chris kind of- Noth. Um, oh, no, I would definitely fuck him. Evan Handler. Uh, no. I no? might have to. I might have to. Kill him. Is he the one that gets killed? He might be. And then it, Steve is played by who's that cute actor? Oh, oh no, I'd marry him. Yeah. You'd marry him. Yeah. Marry Steve, fuck Chris, and kill Evan. Yeah. Poor I Evan Hamlet. I know, but I that hairy do. thing grew. And then when he sat oh, naked, no. remember that on <laughs> yeah, the white the couch? Bags. The tea bag situation. Yikes. So you do know the show. Oh, I do know the show very well. I've watched all seasons. Yes. Julie, I've always wanted to ask you this. Uh-oh. What is it, you cunt face? What is it, you cunt face? What I can't face is what's happening in our country right now. I know. It's really scary. I'm just calling back to the Divine Sister. I know, they, they, really. They must have said, they must have called her a cunt face ten times in that play. It, it, it's, it's, <laughs> I now have a, um, you know, I think it's called Narcotic Lollipop, which is a very fun store on Instagram. And they have a, a, a coffee cup with two nuns on it and it says what is it you cunt face and they sent it to me as a gift which i love (laughs) do you know i recently watched that clip again and we're all getting it wrong it what she says is 
Because I always thought it was, oh, Maria, what is it you can face? But right. it's actually, Maria, a monastery is no place to hide. What is it you can face? Oh, yeah. oh, okay. Well, All right, good for you. Every day. What has been the most thrilling night of your life so far? Wow, you know, I've had a lot of them, quite frankly. Um, I'll tell you one that was the most moving. I'll say that. Uh, when we were doing Tootsie in Chicago, because, you know, we went out of town first, um, I hate to sort of bring people down, and I don't mean to, but, you know, my husband had just passed away. Yes, I'm I was sorry. married sorry for, you know, 26 years and with him for 27 years. And a lot of people in that audience, the night we opened Tootsie in Chicago, a lot of those people came from New York to see it. You know how that goes. Mm-hmm. And also a lot of those people were people who knew my husband and had worked with him because he was a broadcaster and he was a big Broadway Ralph person. Howard. Ralph Howard. Ten Ten Wins and yes, Howard Stern. Yes, yes, yes. And, um, and when I came out for my curtain call in Chicago, the roar... And a lot of these people had literally just been at my husband's memorial service. Mm. And the roar that happened, because I really felt it was for me in Tootsie, and I love that. And believe me, I like that. Sure. But I also felt like it was a sort of thing for us as a couple and Ralph, because so many of them were friends of Ralph and whatnot. And it was so moving. And I just burst into tears in that vintage Dolce & Gabbana. That's very lovely. And I just clutched my heart and took my place on the curtain call line, but it was really a big deal. That's yeah, awesome. I mean, support from the people who, who know you and love you yeah. in those moments, is that's how you get through stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, JB's just given us a, a yes. time signal. Yes. Um, okay, on to something a little lighter. What's okay. the strangest fan experience you ever had? Huh. Um, well... I, I have, have to imagine li- gay guys are always going, yoo-hoo! Yeah, 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 right, ladies right. Lunching. Ladies lunching. Um, I haven't really had a bad, bad experience. Um, there are times when I do get like, I'm your biggest fan, blah, blah, blah. Can you read my script? Uh-huh. Can you do that? Da, 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 da. And of course, Close. sometimes they're really terrible. Yes, <laughs> um, I do have a script for you to read. Yeah, no, but you know <laughs> what I mean. Um, that kind of thing. Um, oh, I'll tell you one. When I was doing Love Loss and What I Wore, uh, there were fans from like Germany and you know all over the world. It was crazy because I was doing it with like Brooke Shields and mm-hmm. some like Doris Roberts and I some big her. TV, you know, players. And we actually had to have like some really tight security down at the West End uh, um, Theater. The West, uh, is, is it the West? What is it? The, the one on 43rd Street. The uh, West Side Arts. West Side Arts. Um, and this guy came running up to me and he was like, oh my God, I love you, I love you. I'm, I've got all your pictures here from a friend of mine in Germany and if you could please, you know, sign. They were the ugliest pictures of me. It was like, <laughs> where the hell did you get these? Here's me on the toilet. Yeah, no, it was hor- hor- horrifying. Julie Halston, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, you are starring. I had a blast. Yeah, uh, please come back. I loved it. You're Can we just get a quick you who ladies lunching? Yoo-hoo, ladies lunching! Yes! Everyone should see Tootsie at the Marquee Theater. Go to tootsiemusical.com for more information and tickets. How can people follow you online? Oh, I'm on Actress Julie Halston on Instagram. And I'm on Twitter, uh, Actress Julie Halston. Verified. Uh, Go to Verified, people. 
and uh, follow me. I love you. Break a leg today I and love tonight. You, dear. Uh, Thank you, uh, Ryan and I'll be back next week with the Lost Ass Tapes featuring clips from episodes that have been banned from the internet. Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. Don't forget to download Adam Sank's last comedy album. Uh, donate to Keep JB on the Ass at adamsank.com. Have a great week, bitches, and Bye. happy Labor Day. What?